Good morning, ladies and gents. This is the Go Long Show, fueled by our good friends at Batty Beer Company. Get on in. IPAs, stouts, seasonals, whatever you'd like this time of year. They've got one for you in Western New York and beyond. This is going to be our first podcast of the week, Jim Monas. Super Bowl week, the Kansas City Chiefs, the San Francisco 49ers. I think a lot of America was pulling for the Detroit Lions, right? That's that's the story. That's the fun story. The team that's been tortured for the better part of a, a half century. But alas, it's the Chiefs. It's the 49ers. Like, how do you look at this matchup? Is it is it one that excites you, Jim? Yeah, I've caught, and that's that's the beauty of two weeks building up. Uh, the biggest game in the sports world because I think at first it's eh, we just got this matchup a few years ago and then you start watching like the mic'd up of Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game and you start looking at the 49ers and you know, Mr. Irrelevant is the quarterback and there's a ton of storylines on that end and you get yourself all jacked up by Super Bowl Sunday I, I think it's going to be fun but I what's your perspective on this on this game these two teams Tyler what's happening um, I'm telling you, I feel like the game should have been played yesterday. You know, we're taping this on a Monday. It just the two weeks seems outdated. Um, I think times have changed. We can get this done in a week. Get the Pro Bowl, though. Big Pro Bowl. You got to build up. I totally didn't know that was going on. Um, <laughs> saw something. Saw a clip this morning. Oh, I saw a Stroud throw on X. You know, to the, this morning, I was like, dang, that was a nice throw. I was like, what, what is that? I was like, that's the pro. Oh, that's the pro. Bowl. Um, but I do think we have a great Super Bowl. I mean, for the favored team, which is the 49ers, to be given no chance by the public and by everybody on, you know, in the media. I haven't heard anybody give the 49ers a chance. They're actually favored. So that tells me, I think we have a good Super Bowl coming. Um because nothing's that easy. There's no way it's that easy that the Chiefs just stroll in here. And because they have Mahomes and the 49ers don't, it's that simple. I don't think that's how it operates. I'm expecting a pretty good game. I think the 49ers have been the best team all year in the NFL. I think we've said it all year where it was almost like a given from the NFC side that, hey, for me before the season, I don't even think I had the 49ers making the playoffs because I wanted to see Purdy. Because I'm like, if Purdy is actually a seventh-round talent, they're not going to get to where they want to get to. And then I started studying Purdy, and you know I'm, I've been documented all year. I've been going crazy on him. I, I think he's everything you could want in a quarterback. Yeah, he, you don't have to be the physical. There's only a couple physical, you know, rare physical-quality quarterbacks. You know, your Strouds, your Mahomes, your Josh Allens, your Lamars. Those don't grow on trees. Joe Burrow – Joe Burrow is not a physical specimen quarterback. I don't put him in that rare physical quality quarterback mode like those guys. Joe Burrow has more of the, he's got physical skill set, but he's got more of that, that poise, accuracy, throwing before, throwing in perfect spots, you know, more of that quality. Okay. Point being is once we establish Purdy being legit, to me, the 49ers were the best team in the NFC. Who's going to beat them? Um, now they had their injuries and all that, but they're here. They're here and they're favored, but they have no chance. 82% this morning, I think I saw 82% of the bets right now are on the Chiefs. You and I have talked about it. It's almost hilarious. The Chiefs side is funny. 
I've been against, you know me, I thought this was a year to beat. This was Josh Allen's year. This was Lamar's year to get to the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are right for the picking. Mahomes are not explosive on offense. 17 points. I thought I was right. They scored 17 points against Baltimore. It didn't matter. They still won, still dominated. I think we have the two best teams. I feel good saying that. So to, to answer your question, I think we have a great Super Bowl. I just, the two weeks is a little long for me. So many thoughts. That's a great breakdown. Like you say physical specimen and my brain immediately goes to that shot of Patrick Mahomes in the locker room celebrating with his shirt off. You know, everybody's calling it the dad bod. I mean, that's, that's how he's always been. I've talked to a bunch of Texas tech teammates over the years. And then they used to make fun of him relentlessly in college. I mean, think about what your college life was out there listening and the jokes that were made. And they (laughs) He would tell him to go eat another cheeseburger. They'd make fun of the way he runs. But I was just talking to Jonathan Giles, his go-to receiver at, at Tech. We'll have something this week on Mahomes because we you know, got to talk about Mahomes more. Uh, but he said even then, Mahomes is like in the front of the sprint line. Like he's beating everybody in sprints, and nobody really knows why. Goes back to his gait and the way he runs, and it's just awkward and bizarre and unlike anything any tackler faces. But – uh yeah, not exactly a physical specimen there. I'll say this, though. I get it. I, I get why everybody's placing the bets on, on the Chiefs. I don't understand the spread at all. I'm I'm not a gambler, as everybody knows. Maybe maybe the NFL's rigged, right? Maybe this is Vegas, Vegas Super Bowl, and it's all fixed. San Francisco's going to win, and everybody will lose money, right? That's what I can't stop laughing about. That's why <laughs> I just want to see the game be played. How is it going to play out? Right. Where is it going to get crazy? What's going to be, what's the crazy play that the, the, you know, that's going to have us talking. I can't, that's the two weeks that this is what happens when you have two weeks of waiting. As far as the game plan goes, X and O wise, I think that's probably been beat into the ground. It's the same thing we've said about the bills run the ball. They did against the chiefs. We thought Baltimore would run the ball. For some reason, they didn't um, fully expect San Fran to run the ball against the Kansas City defense. And that's what we need to see to fully get grasp, you know, where this Chiefs, you know, how great is this Chiefs defense? You know, if they can Baltimore didn't run, even try. Didn't even try. So we don't know. That's so here we're, we're going to find out. We're going to find out because we know that the 49ers will at least attempt it and establish it. It's Oh, my God. I didn't ask you this last week, but if, if Greg Roman is still the offensive coordinator for the Ravens in that game, do they win that game? Because, you know, Greg Roman's going to run the ball a lot. You know, going back to the uh, the simple elementary, as Steve Smith said, passing game. But, you know, they're going to run. For all the champion that we love. Uh, that Todd would blow Morgan. the minds. No, that's like the mind-blowing <laughs> comment for Baltimore fans, everybody. Like, wait a second. What if, could we have him for this game? <laughs> Well, how about Harbaugh hired him right away? That was right. the guy back in, I mean, back in Stanford. I think they go back to Stanford. Man. Uh, or uh, San Diego. Yeah. But you're right. Like James Cook and the Bills, they were, they were running at will. But like we, like we hit on then though, too, I think it's a different NFL and it takes a while for everybody to kind of rewire their brain chemistry in modern pro football, because I, I'm with you. Like it's, I love old school football. I like running the ball, but six yards at a time, 
five yards at a time, seven yards at a time, even running the ball at will on any team. I think it looks really, really good if it's the mid nineties and mid two thousands, even, even a decade ago, but this game, it's all about maximizing, like getting the highest volume of plays and the highest volume of drives that you can. I mean, you're all about those numbers, Jim. I mean, you want to get the ball as much as possible score as much as possible. And you, you get that through explosives through, through vertically stretching a defense. And that's and, what the Chiefs don't have. They don't have it. They haven't even shown it in Buffalo, and they didn't show it in Baltimore. The explosive plays aren't there. That maybe explains there. the spread a little bit. Oh, I, I for me, I think the spread is right. I think the 49ers can win the game. Um, well, let's talk about the issue that why the 49ers are so dangerous because of that running game. But guess who is number one in yards per attempt in passing? The 49ers. They aren't a ground and pound team. They just like to run the ball and take their shots down the field. And that's why I think they can't, and you're going to see it, but this passing offense of Purdy, number one, 9.1 yards per attempt. Detroit was 7.6 per attempt. Now that's a team to me that runs the ball and can take shots down the field with, you know, like we, and they do it. And their offense is lethal. 7.6, 9.1. That's a big gap. That's how that's that this offense that the 49ers have is different. It'd be I haven't really heard Spags talk about it. Uh Spagnola, the coordinator for the Chiefs. I haven't heard him talk about this 49ers um offense, but I would think for him, it's the most challenging to prepare for. I think when you prepare for the Bills, you're preparing for Josh Allen. Trying to yeah. control Josh Allen. Baltimore, you're trying to control Lamar Jackson. This one, this is this is XO time. You you are in now officially in a chess match with Shanahan as a D coordinator because it's wide open what they could do to you. It's hard to argue. I mean, they've got stars all over the field. Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, the best left tackle, arguably in NFL history, and Trent Williams. You know, Kyle Juszczyk, a fullback that can go downfield and run an in-breaking route at 15 yards. I I don't know how, how you start to defend this team. But I know they should have lost to the Green Bay Packers in the divisional round. The Packers blew that. I know they should have lost to the Detroit Lions in the NFC Championship game. The Lions blew that. And it's all about how are you playing right now. And it's all about the quarterback position. And this isn't a a Cam Newton, Brock Purdy take, which Cam, I mean, come on. It's getting a little ridiculous with anybody. Brock Purdy is a legitimate starting quarterback. He is damn good in his own right. I was skeptical into this season like you. I'm thinking, is he going to beat out Sam Darnold and Trey Lance in training camp, right? This is a, you pull the Brock Purdy blue blue, uh, prism card, you're selling the thing off in eBay because you don't know what the hell is going to happen. And he's he's proven he deserves to be the starter long term. I think he's even going to force San Francisco to pay him. You got to keep him. You don't want to keep cycling different guys through. But he's not Mahomes. He's not Burrow. He's not Allen. He's not Lamar. And this time of year, it's it's about that position. It's about that quarterback rising above and making a play 
outside the confines of the X's and O's. And that's been the unknown with Kyle Shanahan all along. You know, you go from Brian Hoyer and Nick Mullins, right? And you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. You pay Jimmy Garoppolo. He can't stay healthy. When he is healthy, he takes you as far as he can within one throw to Emmanuel Sanders to win the Super Bowl, and he misses him. Gets hurt again. You trade the farm for Trey Lance because you think you need that transcendent athletic talent. He's going into a season as a starter after sitting a year, right? Like they, they don't even have a competition with Garoppolo. It's just the, the job is given to Trey Lance. Just here it is. And then he gets hurt. And then Garoppolo comes in. And then he gets hurt. And then it's Purdy. So we're kind of back to the the point guard distributor, uh, a Mike Bibby, if you will, at the top of the key, dispersing the ball to weapons. But he's really good in his own right. But this time of year is also about special at that position. And I don't know if he has that element of special that he's going to need in this game. I, I can't get there with San Francisco. And we'll get into Kansas City later, but I feel like, man, after playing Baltimore, the best defense in the NFL, honestly, one of the best defenses of this era, when you really look at the numbers, they had the they were number one in points allowed, number one in sacks, number one in takeaways. They're hosting the AFC Championship game, and Kansas City finds a way. Mahomes is a force of nature. He just finds a way. It's like he's swimming in a pool of piranhas and sharks and barracudas against that defense to now swim in a pool of what, like, like guppies. That might be a little strong. Maybe, maybe largemouth bass. You know, maybe, uh, <laughs> yeah, not, not exactly the sharks that you had in Baltimore. San Francisco's defense, you still got Nick Bosa, Fred Warner. This this is this is not the San Francisco defense they played in the Super Bowl in 2019. Not even close. Roles re, roles have really reversed. The Chiefs are the team with the defense, but I think that's I think going from like that kind of environment on the road, Baltimore facing that kind of defense to now San Francisco. I think you're going to see those explosives. You're saying they haven't been hitting. I think all I think they are going to hit some plays and do whatever they want with Mahomes. Everybody has this. You would think. You would think they would be able to. Well, let me ask you this. Would you have more confidence in San Fran if they had golf at quarterback? Yes. So that's incredible to me. So he's a statue, more of a statue than Purdy. Um, I just think if – I just don't see the difference between golf, Purdy, Tua. They're all in that same guy to me, like where they have they have a skill set – that's going to need some type of help where they're going to need defense, which Detroit doesn't have. Um, they're going to need offensive line, which golf has Purdy. The San Fran offensive line isn't great. We talked about Trent Williams, but that, that right side of the offensive line, I mean, Purdy's been under pressure and we saw him get out of it and that's create true. yards, which I've never seen golf or Tua do really, to be honest that's with true. you, they crumble under pressure in my opinion. So, I guess I'm more I'm just higher on Purdy, I think, than than I guess you would be a little bit. That's why I said if so because you answered that pretty easy. If they had golf, you'd feel pretty you'd feel like the 49ers have a better chance. Where I look at Purdy, I like Purdy better than golf. Believe it or not. Yeah. So that's where we would differ on that. But 
bottom line is if they can protect Purdy, and we could say this about every quarterback, that's been the theme of go long all year because it started in the beginning of the season, every quarterback had an excuse from everybody in the media because nobody could protect. And it was all, it was always the offensive line's fault. And then we saw uh, Tommy DeVito come in and make plays. And we're like, hold on. This is, if you're, you can make plays as a quarterback. It's not all about the, it's not always the offensive line's fault, but we know how important it is. It's the equal, it's the only way I almost flip it. I think it's the only way you're going to beat Kansas city and it still might not matter because pressure doesn't even phase him. And it's not that the pressure it's, can you somehow pop a ball up in the air and pick it off with Mahomes? Can you somehow get a fumble from him under pressure? Because it's not the pressure, it's it's can you create a turnover somehow? I just don't know how else you're going to beat Mahomes. I just I, I'm with you on this. It makes I'm trying every way to figure it out because I know it's not that easy. I know that San Fran's favored, but I'm with you. I don't see I don't see how the Chiefs lose either. But I'm trying to picture the 49ers running the ball, maybe catching a turnover somehow off a fluky play, you know. I'm stretching because you're going against Mahomes. I think that Purdy gives what will give the Chiefs one or two possessions that Mahomes will not give San Francisco. That's fair. The Purdy's had some interceptions drop this postseason, I believe. Hmm. Darnell Savage in the Packers game. Not only interceptions dropped, the play that really turned the whole season around, the Ayuk fluke play, was a fluke play. Like, so yeah. I'm with you on this. It's right. at the end of the day, we can make this simple and say we're taking Mahomes against. If it's not Josh Allen or Lamar, if he beat Josh Allen and beat Lamar, I'm pretty sure he could finish it off against Brock Purdy. That's how. That's the thinking. Yeah, and it, I mean, look at the corner that is in that position, Vildor for the Lions, that has the ball ricochet off his face mask. We've discussed him with McGinn over at that show. But this is somebody that's been on four teams. He's bounced around practice squads. I mean, give him credit. Like, he helped settle things down to an extent in the secondary. He's a fighter. You know, he's not going to back down, all that good stuff. But he's a fringe NFL player on Brandon Ayuk, one-on-one. Of course, Purdy's going to take that shot. That's a bad throw. Like, it should have been picked. Just like Savage the week before. Like, the Chiefs are not – like, Legereus Sneed is one of the three best cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, Nick Bolton is fresh off a Super Bowl in which he didn't, I mean, he scored one touchdown, could have had another. He's all over the place. And, and Chris Jones, he ain't going to stop the run, but it doesn't even matter because he'll wreck a game in some form or fashion. So I got San Francisco will try to run right at Chris Jones and the chiefs. But I feel like between those three players and a ton of others, they're, they're not going to drop that pick that Savage did that Vildor did like they, they will make that play. They will get the ball to Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes is Tiger Woods at Augusta. Michael Jordan against the Utah Jazz. He just takes it to a different level. He just uh, it, It's one of those things you can't explain in, in mathematical equations. He just He's different on the stage. I can't see him losing on the stage. Chasing history. You know, last year they're manufacturing themselves as the underdog. Remember Mahomes when he's at the parade, after how many no, how many beers? Which, by the way, Vinny Garfalo, who I went to high school with, uh, he was 
He was at that Chiefs Super Bowl parade. He was the one with the Vince Lombardi trophy. Remember Mahomes? It looked like he just handed the Vince Lombardi trophy to a fan drunk with the that was a replica that that Vinny brought to the parade. He went out there. So Mahomes is at that parade saying everybody thought we were a rebuilding team. Nobody, nobody believed in us. And they obviously hosted all those playoff games into the Super Bowl. But now they are legitimately an underdog. They went on the road to Buffalo, to Baltimore. They're an underdog against San Francisco. It's not corn. I mean, that that stuff is what the Jordans and the Mahomes is and the best of the very best feed, feed off of. I think he's going to feed off it so, somehow and take his game to another level against a defense that's much worse than what he just faced in Baltimore. Can't argue any of that. It's hard to picture it right now. It's hard to picture because we're we're just going right to the quarterback part of this debate. And it's hard to picture. Is Purdy going to be the one that knocks him off after Lamar and Josh had their shot? I mean, shit, Nick Foles beat Tom Brady. No, I'm with you. I'm, I, that's why I still believe. I, and I, like I said, I'm higher on Purdy, but I'm, I, I'm still as, if I felt better about the 49ers defense, the year we won, I compare Purdy to Breeze all the time. And when I worked for the Saints and we won that Super Bowl, our defense was loaded. Loaded that year. Yeah. Our running game, loaded. So I can't say that about – I mean, the 49ers ranking-wise defensively appears loaded. It doesn't look weak on paper, Tyler. You know, that's what's crazy. It's not that their defense should be bad, but they have not played well. They're not playing where their rankings show. That goes back to our whole talk about the regular season and postseason at this point. I'm I'm, I'm actually really – as somebody who does base things off analytics a lot, it's it's throwing things off a little. It's not matching yeah. up. Not matching up. Anyway, because the 49ers still look damn good on defense. Mm. I mean, that, that's what's crazy. We're, we're sitting there saying that we don't think. What about the coach matchup? Andy Reid, this time last year, on this show, Jim Monas declares is the greatest exactly. coach of all time. Now you've got Kyle Shanahan, who has maybe been the best coach in terms of X's and O's. You see other offenses around the NFL kind of copying their play designs and, and the way he calls the game, all of that. All, all of his assistants keep getting hired elsewhere. Um, now, Raheem Morris is in Atlanta. Um, I mean, he was, he was with McVay with the Rams. I'm sorry, this coaching tree, it's all over the place, but you know, Bobby Slowick was with Shanahan D'Amico Ryan's Mike McDaniel. They're all over the place. So he's a damn good coach. And yet you have 28 to three against Atlanta. You have the 10 point lead as the head coach against the chiefs. Man, does he get a little tight? If San Francisco's in command of this game, how does he coach that game? What does Shanahan do into the fourth quarter against an Andy Reid who used to be thought of as this choker, four straight NFC Championship games, can't get to the big one, and now he wins all these big games. Now the, the Chiefs are basically the Patriots. 
Is there anything to that coach matchup? How does Reed kind of manage a game versus Shanahan managing a game when it's close in the fourth quarter? Because it's going to be close in the fourth quarter. This matchup seems, once again, I feel like, I don't think it's, I don't want to say a mismatch, but if we're talking about somebody I'm, I consider the best coach in the history of football against a guy who I think we would say is a outstanding offensive mind. I don't know if I can say he's a great head coach. I, I don't know how many he mortgaged the future for Trey Lance. That was on him and the GM who just got the job in Washington. They just, I, I it's almost fascinating to think that they're in like where they are right now right. when they blow that decision with, which tells me Purdy's pretty good and he's a pretty good coach because Shanahan has proven almost even with Garoppolo, the numbers were still good. Think about the, 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 the transactions and the decisions made by San Francisco that gets people fired. They, they pass on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson for Solomon Thomas, a defensive tackle out of Stanford that John Lynch took a college class with, and he thought he had this great familiarity with. And it's an amazing story, and we've written about it. Solomon Thomas is an inspiration. What he went through in his personal life, his, um, his sister tragically committing suicide, spiraling Sol- Solomon Thomas into this really, really dark, dark, depressed state. And he told me there was one day in the cafeteria, he's sitting there and John Lynch was the one person who knew something was wrong with Solomon and sits down, has a conversation, gets some help, gets him into therapy. And without that conversation, Solomon Thomas in so many words admitted he may not be sitting here. Like he might've taken his own life. It was that bad. So John Lynch basically saved Solomon Thomas's life. Amazing. It's 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 it, it, and I think that that hire was as much about communication and people skills and being in the public eye as as anything. Remember, Kyle Shanahan's hired first. He picks his GM. He picks John Lynch, who is a Fox broadcaster. Uh, Lynch told me they had these great conversations in the production meetings. You know, fifteen minutes turns to a half hour to an hour, and that that's who he picks. I mean, no scouting experience. I had scouts around the NFL rolling their eyes to me. They 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 were stunned that this is somebody who gets the opportunity to be a GM. So there's justifiably a lot of skepticism and cynicism into the John Lynch era as a GM. Hey, what's what's his role really? You know, who's who's buying the groceries there? Well, Shanahan's in control, but John Lynch does have a lot of say. And this is a case where I think they do collaborate and, and reach some some good decisions. But back to the original point, I mean, they they have made some decisions that cost people jobs. They, they they pass on Patrick Mahomes. They they trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, just a second round pick, so not as expensive as people thought Garoppolo would be at the time. But then you hand him a five year, one hundred and thirty seven point five million dollar contract after he wins five games late in that season. A lot of money at the time, you know, for quarterbacks. He can't stay healthy. And then obviously the decision that you just point out. I mean, you trade essentially three first-round picks for the rights to a quarterback out of North Dakota State who played one year of college football. Like, 
these are decisions at the most important position that that get you fired, that have you immediately calling allies in the profession, whether you're Lynch, whether you're Shanahan, whether you're anybody under them looking for a job, scrambling for a job this time of year, right? You're, you're down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, groveling, trying, trying, trying to land somewhere. Instead, and it's a testament to Lynch, and it's a testament to Shanahan, they've done so such a bang-up job everywhere else. They keep finding gems in the middle rounds, the late rounds, whether it's Kittle in the fourth, Purdy with the last pick, Fred Warner. I mean, trades. You trade for Trent Williams. You trade for Christian McCaffrey. They've done a, a marvelous job everywhere else to put themselves in this position, to be in a second Super Bowl, to potentially win it. It's it's fascinating. As a personnel man, how I wish people could see like all your facial expressions as we talk about this. I mean, it's got to blow your mind. I mean, you're with the Eagles, the Saints. The Bills, you're trying to find that quarterback in Buffalo. You guys had a lot of the other stuff right. Uh, but, man, these are the kind of decisions that it's it's amazing that they've survived it all. And not just that, but they're the envy of a lot of teams. No, I was laughing the whole time you were going through this. The best part of that this history is the fact that they could have had Mahomes. We talk about this all the time because that's what this show has become, again, Mahomes. But – that draft, yes, we traded out of that pick. and We weren't ready for quarterback, blah, blah, blah. We've been through that. What about all the teams ahead of us that didn't necessarily have their quarterback? We talk about Miles Garrett was the first pick of that draft. That was the wrong pick. Right. <laughs> like, and he's he's as good as you could want. But Mahomes was would have changed Cleveland's all it would have gotten rid of all their craziness too. So bottom line is 49ers had a chance as well. You know, it's it's a crazy when you study that the teams that that story still hasn't really been like that's what we need to hear. Did Cleveland want Mahomes? Did San Fran? Did they even talk about Mahomes? Like, I don't know if I've heard those stories. We know that the Saints wanted to come up and get Mahomes. We've heard that from Sean Payton, and pretty much can I can confirm that because they were nonstop calling me every day to see what the, we were doing in Buffalo. <laughs> um, anyway, the, uh, at your point real quick, if I can interject San no, Francisco, no, a scout told me they never had serious conversations about Mahomes. Lynch yeah. told me, yeah, you know, we did the workout. We did this You know, internally. There weren't serious conversations and they, they just took over. Right. Shanahan and Lynch They're They don't want to immediately put themselves on the clock with a quarterback. And that's that's where that's where Sean was, and and we felt you know Sean felt comfortable that let's keep Tyrod and let's try to wait let's wait a year, get established, so that can happen. Obviously, that's part of it. Um, but the other part that was making me laugh too was they gave Gar- they went and got Garoppolo, paid him, and then couldn't wait to get rid of him. I mean, their their stories with quarterbacks that are are just mind boggling and make no sense. It seems like they're pulling the slot machine and getting lucky almost like, Hey, I want Garoppolo pull the wheel. Got him up. Oh, guess what? I don't like him now, but wait, I'm going to pay him. Wait, no, I don't want him. I want this guy from North Dakota state. Hey, he's not good enough. Let's try the seventh rounder. He looks better. Like, are you serious? That's how you got there with this. That's some that's some slot machine shit. Because when they did the trade, it wasn't 
if you believe what's said publicly, which after the fact, I, I think it seems like they've been pretty honest on it. Lynch and Shanahan weren't sure exactly who they were going to take. It was like, it's let's crazy. give away all these picks. It's not just like get ourselves up there. Right. Yeah, they, they knew it was going to go Trevor Lawrence. And then Zach Wilson went to the Jets, which that, that comes back to Mahomes, too. I mean, Mahomes is just breaking brains in NFL front offices. I mean, here's Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. Yeah, Sala's there at the time. Watching BYU highlights in a COVID year, you know, Zach Wilson getting beat up against Coastal Carolina in prime time. It was a strange college football season. I mean, they're watching Zach Wilson highlights and thinking, oh, man, he's doing Mahomes kind of stuff out there. And and it kind of was. Hell, I thought Zach Wilson was going to be good. He's running all over the place, spinning the torso around, planting the back foot, throwing it across his body, double coverage, crazy stuff. But there's only one Mahomes. I mean, I mean, to, to, to figure out which quarterbacks can get away with that versus those who can't, as Mahomes' old high school coach uh, kind of explained this past week when we were chatting, there's a recklessness and then there's a ruthlessness. Like, it's where everybody kind of thought Mahomes was reckless, he was actually ruthless. Like, he is looking downfield to take your heart out. And then Zach Wilson... There's not a lot of ruthlessness there. That's just recklessness. That's just Johnny Manziel, throw it up and hope kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I forget what we were talking about. We get get into Mahomes. We just completely get off track. We always do. Well, it still went back to the 49ers pass on Mahomes. Just their whole quarterback craziness yeah. and how, they, how they're here with it. Um, but no, Tyler, I was looking. Like the Chiefs are ranked on defense right ahead of San Fran in all the important cats, San Fran's top five chiefs are like number two or three in some all the categories I look at. But once again, it just doesn't feel that way with the 49ers defense. It yeah. doesn't feel top five right now, but, but it's, it's there. There, there's a history of it this whole season of them being a good defense, a really good defense. I guess what I'm saying is I do think, like I said, I think the 49ers can win this game. It's just hard to picture Mahomes. I like how you just said the ruthlessness, the way he looked in Baltimore coming out. I said, that's like anybody that's ever gambled on horses. The start of the race, like that's what you want to see. The way Mahomes came out of the gate. Lamar, that's like your horse. You had the favorite and, and all of a sudden, where, where am I? He didn't come out of the gate. He totally just didn't come out of the gate. Like all yeah, the one was, play, the one crazy play. He, which, but that was, that's a circus act. Like that's that's yeah. fluky. That's fluky crap. I don't like the fluky. Fluky yeah. means you're 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 trying right now. You're 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 fighting for everything. You need it. No, I, I'm I can't wait to see this. Oh, and Tyler, I wanted to say too with Purdy, and and we can not, but we're gonna have a guest this week. That there's been some talk in the media about Herm Edwards has come out saying that he we're gonna get we're gonna get all the recruiting history of Brock Purdy. You're gonna love this. I cannot wait for that, Jim. You're going to love the history. And this is this guy, Dave Bowler is his name. He's the GM in the XFL, well, the UFL right now for the St. Louis Battlehawks. He was a longtime scout in the NFL who scout, scouted Drew Brees. He was the personnel man in Louisville when they had Lamar. And and he also knows all that. He was the scouting man when he knows all of Brock Purdy history. So we're going to get some good stories. I love it. That This is the kind of podcast I think that people look forward to, you know, when Josh, Josh Lucas came on 
and he's yeah, looking back at those drafts. Yes, yes. Trubisky, yes. Uh, Justin Fields, and just to get those behind the scenes stories is is rare, right? To go beyond uh, what there's a lot of myth making in football, isn't there? <laughs> that's why. That's why I like having. You know, there's a lot why. of. You hear yes. like stories get shared and then yes. reshared and then re 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 reshared, and we just kind of take those stories as as actual I, penetratable fact when there's a lot more to it behind the scenes. I learned real quick when I got to Buffalo in 2013, 14, right in those years, right away. All of a sudden, I was in. There was a story about Doug Marone and I having an argument that didn't happen. We never had that argument. I was like, wait a second. We didn't even, I said, I saw the argument, but it wasn't us. Ah. Um, I saw when which, they said which it comes in. You can't even really blame the media all the time because <laughs> I, you know, there's people within these organizations that will leak information that isn't factual. Like they know what happened, but the information leaked. So that's where it comes down to trust and, and really trying to piece together truth. And that's when I knew, that's when I'm exactly right, Tyler. That's when I'm like, wait a second. The media wasn't out here for this. That wasn't the, they weren't even, they kind of were walking. Hmm. Like, I think we talked about, but Marone, Russ Brandon, and Doug Whaley were walking back into the facility to settle the argument. But the debate, when it was getting loud, the media wasn't out there. I'm like, catching shrapnel for no reason. But that all started with, we're going to get the good story. It was because Herm Edwards was saying stuff about Brock Purdy, how we're gonna get the we're gonna get the good the good story on this recruiting of Purdy. Can't wait. Uh, yeah, programming note: we'll have a lot of coverage at Go Long all week on the podcast and at the site. This year, decided to not go to Vegas, but have a lot of stories planned through the miracles of telephones and a lot of conversations with people who know Mahomes. We'll have a story on the tight ends. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. Uh, and hey, if you want to buy a copy of Blood and Guts, let me know. We'll send you one. And, you know, I just feel like those resources and people that do subscribe to go along would be better put to use going to the NFL Combine for a little longer this year and really taking some some trips all off season long for some bigger stories, bigger projects that take a little time to to put together. So still going to cover the Super Bowl in every possible way, from afar, Chiefs, Niners, and then the there will be no offseason. We'll, we'll be getting into this immediately uh, via the podcast, the site, every way we possibly can. Jim, anything to add? Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you before we sign off. Sitting there in the basement, playing with the kids over the weekend, you know, and once... Gotta gotta give Bluey a break from time to time and get a little football on the screen. And the NFL Network has their Super Bowl marathon. They started Super Bowl one on Saturday, and then right through Sunday, they're going through every single one, a half hour apiece. It's fun. It's just good like background uh visuals and sounds and kind of relive. I mean, this is the biggest spectacle in sports. Uh, but as I'm watching, like in the periphery, checking in. Bill Belichick is just constantly on the screen. It's I mean, Bill, Bill, it's it's Belichick coming back from twenty eight three against Atlanta. Before that, three rings to get the whole dynasty started, losing to the Eagles, and then rebounding from that to shut down Sean McVay in his second year, 
as the Rams coach, I mean, just a masterpiece. And I get it. Totally get it. Why he's not an NFL head coach in 2024, because it's a different game. It's, it's player friendly. Hell we're player friendly on this show, right? This is, you, you need to have a coach who just, who just gets it. It's, it's a different world and a different sport. Um, also, GMs and personnel execs in charge, they're not going to be in a hurry to just roll out the red carpet for somebody who is going to seize control either in writing, like the day he signs, or eventually, or he just gets his foot in the door and eventually it becomes his show. Like, do you think... Terry Fontenot with the Falcons necessarily wants Belichick to come right on in and call all the shots. And also those shots that have been, that have been called in the draft. Not that great, right? Belichick, the GM, not exactly Belichick, the head coach. Also, you have billionaire owners. Do billionaire owners like to have people in their world who tell them no? They don't. They want yes men. And this is such a part of football that we don't get talk about enough. Like, These owners of teams, by and large, most of them, surround themselves with enablers, yes-men, people who will kiss their ass in many different ways. Belichick isn't going to do that. Like, you you hire Belichick, he wants to run the show. Like, he doesn't want you involved. Like, get out of here, let me do my thing. Him and Kraft, good relationship, but they, they obviously butted heads. So, so many reasons that Belichick wouldn't be a head coach. But I'm sitting there watching this, thinking... You can't tell me that there isn't one team out there. There's not one team out there that would bring in Belichick and give him a shot. Like, let him try to get back to one of these Super Bowl moments and win it. 32 teams, 32 opportunities. I don't know, man. I'm still shocked that he's not a head coach. And I get the reasons he's not. This isn't a, like, full-throated defense of, of Bill Belichick. Uh but man, it, in 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 some ways, it's a little similar to Lamar Jackson last off season when nobody is really willing to pay up for him and part with draft picks. Uh, I think there's teams that regret not doing that. Atlanta's probably one of them. Uh, I think that there's teams when Tom Brady's a free agent. I mean, he only had a couple options, really. I mean, for all of the buzz, like, there weren't teams like bidding for Tom Brady you know, against each other. It, it, it wasn't like there were 10, 12 teams. A lot of teams thought he was done. Like the Patriots thought he was done. And then he proved that wrong. Lamar proved other. I I don't know. I feel like there's going to be some Belichick regret. I think there's going to be a few teams out there that wish, a few owners out there that wish, man, I should have swallowed my ego and just let Bill run the show and see what happens couple things we don't know. Belichick could have, he met with Atlanta. He met with Arthur Blake. That may have been, Belichick's in a great spot if he actually does want to continue to coach. I can't see him giving up control of anything. If that was the case, he would have let, he would have given that GM title years ago to Nick Cesario to keep him in New England for the transition, if he was actually thinking of the franchise and the future and not his ego and titles, you would, you would like to think just kind of like he did with Mayo. 
I think I think Belichick was a major part in Gerard Mayo getting that position. I mean, they I think he groomed him, if I'm not mistaken, for that. Um, and I love that. But you had a GM the same way that you couldn't you couldn't give up your title for him. And now he was in Houston and he, you know, obviously Cesario, I don't think I'd be pumping him up as much as I would be if he didn't get Stroud, but he got the quarterback. Just like Bean got Josh Allen and now they're great GMs. But point being is Belichick couldn't see the future, couldn't get out, couldn't get a title out of his way. He's not going anywhere that he doesn't have. He wanted to go to Arthur Blank and say, this is how much money I want. I want total control. Do you want that? Blank's probably like, yes. I My guess is Blank wanted him. And whoever Blank listens to said, let's just, that's not where we want to go. We like Terry Fontenot. We want to build this you know, for the future. I don't know. I told you, I don't like that structure. I don't like where Rich McKay is there. I don't like the structure in Atlanta. I don't like it with Rich McKay. Um, now, here's where he's also in a smart position too. If he is energetic about, now you're, okay, now take take this year off. You, you know, you're good now. You can name your price again next year. Name your price. You're, you're, in, you're in the spot. You're, you, you are the lottery ticket. I think he can name it for total control if that's what he wants. And somebody really? might do it. Why? If, if it's not the case this year, why, why would a year not away from the game? There weren't enough. Oh. He, didn't like the, he didn't like the situations. Belichick's okay. calculated. He liked Atlanta's. Mm-hmm. He probably knew that he had no shot out in um, L.A. They knew that was a hardball deal. Atlanta, he knew, probably had a good team. He liked their team, knew they were quarterback away. That's free agency for him. Like people, so maybe so. he was the one that isn't going to even entertain the Washington commander's job. That's how I see it. I see it more like Belichick. I don't think it's T. I, I think he has, I think he's going to be selective. Hmm. It's not like he's desperate for a job. I mean, that's, I'm really glad you bring that up because the, the national talking point is, wow, the NFL is saying no to Belichick. And why wouldn't a team like the commanders or anybody even interview him. Like if, if, even if you don't want to hire him, interview him and learn something about football from Bill Belichick that you could use if you're an owner, but maybe Belichick's the one saying, I'm going to give you time. time." So for a guy like Belichick, you're not going to learn anything in an interview. Those interviews aren't, he's not, he's not on an audition. That is, this is my price. Do you want me? Good stuff. All right. We'll be back for more soon thank you everybody for watching for listening go long td.com subscribe to get everything that we have to offer until then have a great week